Well, good morning, everyone. Oh, let's give that another shot. Good morning, everyone. That's, that's way more robust. Thank you. Appreciate your participation. Please take your Bibles and turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 8 today. Chapter 8, we'll be starting in verse 20. And we'll get into chapter 9 for a little bit. But let's take a look at what Moses has for us here in this account as we kind of finalize the, the flood account. It's a little hot, Megan. Turn it down just a little bit. Thank you. Verse 20 of Genesis chapter 8. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. And every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I have gave you the green plants, I give you everything. But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. And for your lifeblood I will require a reckoning. From every beast I will require it, and from man. From his fellow man I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. And you, be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you. And with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark, it is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. And never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I've set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. May the Lord add his blessing with the reading and the hearing of his word this morning. Well, all of us have gone through great difficulties. Some of us are still in the midst of them. 
But what do you do after the storm is over? Long ago, when I was, oh, probably 12 or 13 years old, I was at home by myself. My mom had set the timer on a meatloaf that was in the oven, and it began cooking, and I was there home alone. And uh, everybody was going to come back and have dinner at a later time when this meatloaf was going to be done. Well, I remember going into the kitchen and noticing that there were there was smoke billowing out of the stove, out of the oven itself, and I was like, oh, what is this? Again, I'm just a kid trying to sort this out, and it's not just like steam, it's black smoke. And of course, uh, not being all that sharp, I uh, opened up the door and big ball of flames come right out of the oven. And uh, as you can imagine, I was pretty shaken by this, and uh, so I shut it real quick, and uh, I then turned it off. I grabbed the baking soda just in case, and there's smoke everywhere in the house, and so then I opened up the back door, and I opened up the front door and to air the place out because there's smoke everywhere. And it seemed that the simmering and the sizzling of the grease from this Meatloaf, which was sizzling over and was calming down, and, and uh, everything seemed to be okay, and I didn't know what else to do next after this turmoil. So as a, a little kid, you know, I, I went and sat on the stoop of the front door with it open, and I sat down, and I cried because <laughs> it, scared, it scared the crud out of me. Um, what do you do after it's all over, Right? All of us need to find ways to begin again after the storm. As we'll see today, our recovery after the storm begins with worship. Here in our study, we will see that we need to work at worship as we prepare our offering and offer sacrifices to him. We can begin again under God's favor where he has promised to preserve our place and our lives. His preservation extends to us as long as the earth remains. We can also begin again under God's blessing in that he has blessed us with children. He has blessed us with the animals. He has blessed us with his provision. And he's also blessed us with law and justice. Last, we will see today that we can begin again under God's promises. He has made a covenant with those who are his, along with eternal life to those who are his. And he has given us the sign of the new covenant through the cross. Again, in our series, we've gone back to the beginning, the book of Genesis. We're beginning again after the storm, after the flood has come, and now the flood has gone. Maybe you've just gone through a terrible experience. I don't know. Maybe you're just ready for a fresh start. So four spiritual principles for our consideration this morning. But before we study, let's ask God's help. Would you please pray with me? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we recognize as we come before your word that you are God and you are sovereign. And we need to rest in you no matter what storms come our way. But today, Lord, as we look to understand what we should do after the storm, we need your guidance, we need your direction. So, Lord, we need to hear from you today, from your word. And, Lord, we ask that you'd be our teacher, you'd be our guide as we explore your word and hear what you have to say. Lord, help us not to miss anything that you might have for us by way of a word of encouragement 
Again, not from this speaker, but from, from you, Lord, from what you've said here in this text. So, Lord, thank you for your truth. Thank you for your revelation. Thank you for attending to us today, even us. We pray all this in your son's wonderful and awesome name. Amen. If you have your sermon notes outlined with you from the materials you received when you came in the door, here's the first truth for your consideration. The first spiritual principle is our recovery after the storm begins with worship. Now, quite frankly, we don't ever think of it that way, do we? We, we try to figure out what do I need to do next and how can I survive, how can I go on, or maybe I just need to sit down and cry. You know, we, we think of a lot of things, and the one thing we probably don't think about is worship. But for Noah, that's precisely what he thought. Matter of fact, he began to work at worship. Our recovery after the storm begins with worship as we work at worship. Notice what it said in verse 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. Can you imagine after being cooped up in this ark for about a year? He knew exactly what he wanted to do right when he got out. The first thing he does is he goes and he makes an altar. The minute he's out of the boat with his family, with the animals, the labor of worship begins. Noah had a plan. He executed his plan. He built an altar to the Lord out of his thanksgiving for the lives that had been spared. We, too, need to work at worship, making sure we've done what we've needed to do to prepare to worship. Now, quite frankly, in our culture, we don't do that very well. We don't plan to worship all that well. We don't, sorry to admit. Sometimes our time of worship as we gather together on a Sunday is kind of an afterthought, but you know, maybe we should make sure we get a good night's sleep instead of staying up and watching that late movie till one in the morning or whatever. Maybe we should make sure that we're rested, ready to now come on the first day of the week to work at worship Reading ahead, perhaps, in the text, because you know where we're going to go next. We're going to look at the, the rest of chapter 9 next week. So you, you know where we're going. I'll try to give you a heads up with what we're going to study, so you can even read ahead. Maybe praying for the worship team. Maybe praying for your pastor. Here's a weird idea. Pray for the old pastor, would you? could use some of that. And often we want others to prepare our worship for us. We want to be served, not to serve. But remember what Jesus had to say, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Our recovery after the storm begins with worship as we work at it. Secondly, as we prepare our offering, notice what it says in verse 20, and he took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird. Notice how purposeful Noah was in his worship that even before he entered the ark, he took extra provision of every clean animal and bird by sevens, knowing full well that he was going to offer these animals on the altar after he came out of the ark on the other side of the storm. He took these additional animals by faith. Notice his intentionality here. This is intentional worship, not accidental worship. You know, I showed up at church and we accidentally worshiped today. No, we want to worship with intentionality. We should be constantly planning and preparing to exercise purposeful worship. And I ask you, what are you purposely planning to offer to the Lord today? Are you offering your afterthoughts? Or are your offerings premeditated, we could ask? 
as we work at worship, as we prepare our offering. Thirdly here, as we offer sacrifices to him. He took some of every clean animal, some of every clean bird, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. To worship, something needs to be offered. Something needs to be given to God to demonstrate our dependence on him. Through Noah's sacrifice, the giving of animals to God through sacrifice covered the sins of Noah and his family while they were on the ark all that time. And I ask you this morning, what are you offering to God this morning? And of course, someone might say, well, look, Pastor, I'm, I'm already giving up a Sunday morning to be here. Well, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad you're here. But I'd like to also remind you the time you're spending here, oh, let's say you stay for an hour and a half, an hour and a half time in worship out of 168 hours this week, that's only 0.9%. That's not even 1% of your time. You would need to offer 16.8 hours of your time to actually give a true tithe of your time. To worship God, we need to offer sacrifices of our time, our talents, our treasures. For Noah, he offered animals that were at the moment in very short supply. It's possible that some of the domestic animals had done some reproducing on the ark during the storm, but still it's not as if there was a huge flock of sheep to sacrifice from. What Noah gave was from all that Noah had that God had blessed him with. And I ask you, what are you offering to God in your worship this morning? That's between you and the Lord. It's none of my business. It's between you and God. We need to worship after the storm. But this starts with a heart attitude of worship. With an attitude of worship to begin with knowing that all we have is from him. The psalmist writes, David writes in particular, Psalm 51, 17, after his failure with Bathsheba, he writes, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. That's what he's longing for. Not arrogance, not a haughtiness, not like, well, I got it all figured out. No, a brokenness. Oh God, thank you. Thank you for another day. I want to worship you. Hebrews 13, 16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. Why? For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. This is how we can please God in amazing ways. And I ask you, what do you need to offer God today? Our recovery after the storm begins with worship. Maybe that's where you are. You, you, you're coming to that place right now. You've gone through the storm, but now what? Will you worship? As you work at worship, as we prepare our offerings, as we offer sacrifices to him? But secondly this morning, as we begin again, we can begin again under God's favor. Notice what it says in verse 21, and when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma through Noah's faithful obedience in building the ark and entering into the ark, and now through the provision of Noah's faithful worship through sacrifice, Noah literally found favor in God's nostrils. He was a, it was a pleasing aroma. And, and Noah, now we can begin again under God's favor. First of all, here he has promised to preserve our place. It's a, it's a soothing aroma to him. The Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. He's promised right here in this passage to preserve our place. Even though man is thoroughly wicked from his youth, never again will he flood the earth. But secondly, here he's promised to preserve our lives. Never will I ever again strike down every living creature as I've done, he says in verse 21. 
never again. Not with water. Thirdly, he says, his provision extends to us as long as the earth remains. Verse 22, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Now, all of this is true while the earth remains. But there's coming a day when God will finally deal with sin and rebellion once and for all. Count on it. The psalmist writes in 102.25, Of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you'll remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But you're the same, and your years have no end. God is going to deal with evil once and for all. Count on it. The first time here was a wet one. The next one's going to be a hot one. 2 Peter 3.10, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed, since all these things are thus to be dissolved. What sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening? You mean we can hurry it up a little bit? Yes, hurrying up the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. Beloved, in the meantime, is your life a soothing aroma to God or are you a stench? Are you a little stinky? Or are you pleasing to him as you present your bodies, as Scripture says, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship? Are you exercising faithful obedience? Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith, it's impossible to please him. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Beloved, we can find favor and reward through obedient faith as we trust him. He will preserve our place with him in eternity. He will most certainly preserve our lives for all eternity. Remember, Jesus said to Martha, after her brother had died and Jesus was getting ready to raise him from the dead, John 11, verse 25, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? I ask you, do you believe that? Beloved, we can begin again under God's favor. But not only that, thirdly here today, we can begin again under God's incredible blessing. Now, I don't know where you are in your life and what God has blessed you with or not. And he blesses different people in different ways. But he can bless us with children, can't he? He's blessed us with children. Verse 1 says, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. This is from Genesis 1.28. It's a reprise of it. God says, hey, what I promised from the very beginning with Adam and Eve, I'm now saying to you, Noah, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And you be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly on the earth and multiply. And in verse 7, this little framework saying the same thing by way, of, by way of repetition. And we talk about now the blessing of children. Psalm 127.3, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the, the children's of one's youth. Blessed, blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gate. 
As I mentioned to you last week, we've been blessed with a new grandchild in our household this last week, new grandson. I uh, finally got to meet him last weekend, which was great. I am a blessed man, three daughters, four grandchildren. I'm not worthy of such things, but he is good. He's blessed us with children. But not only that, he's blessed us with animals. In verse 2, we read, "To The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the, of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. God says, Here, the animals are yours. The blessing of animals. And there are some even in this room, many people understand the comfort that even a pet dog or cat can bring. We lived out on the farm on 25th Street, next to Kathy's mom and dad. Uh, There's about 30 horses in our backyard, along with uh, three fainting goats, rabbits, a dog. We had a mouse at that time, two aquatic frogs, a flying squirrel. Uh, Kathy's dad surprisingly found the flying squirrel in his toilet bowl one morning. Somehow he came through the chimney of the wood stove. It must have been thirsty, I guess. Several barn cats, and eventually we even had a hedgehog. That was cool. Uh, Really super cute, but they stink. I don't know if you knew that or not. But my kids love those animals. I'm not so much of an animal guy, I'll admit. My kids love them. And God has blessed us with animals. He's blessed us with children. Thirdly here, he's blessed us with his provision. Notice what God says in verse 3. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. But you shall not eat flesh with its life. That is, its blood. There's a little stipulation. Don't be eating the blood. But uh, everything's able for you to enjoy. Uh, Yesterday, the men gathered for our monthly uh, men's prayer breakfast. And uh, man, we had bacon. And it was awesome. We had lots of bacon. And some of you weren't here to enjoy the bacon. So guys, come on. Don't miss the bacon. Our next opportunity will actually be April 30th. It won't be the first Saturday in May, but it'll be April 30th. But uh, hopefully you can come out for that and uh, have some good eggs and bacon, good stuff. Animals, uh, plants, oh man, a bowl full of strawberries. Ugh, don't get me going, right? Pancakes, yeah, sure, that too. For me, Thanksgiving dinner, oh man, how are you guys with that? Food, we've been blessed with food. You know, you've got your plate there with the turkey on it, right? Oh, man, turkey, nice shaved carved turkey and big clump of, you know, of stuffing and, you know, Mount Spud with your potatoes right there. And, and you get to christen it with gravy blah, 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 all over that. Oh, man, I love that stuff. This is God's blessing, his provision for us. But fourthly here, don't miss this. He's also blessed us with law and justice. Notice what he says in verse 5. And for your lifeblood I will require a reckoning. From every beast I will require it and from man. From his fellow man I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. We need to recognize the blessing of God's law. And here we're basically reflecting a motif that goes forward in terms of being fruitful and multiply. Obviously, if we're called to be fruitful and multiply on the earth, if we're killing people, we're not being fruitful and multiplying, we're destroying them. 
And by the way, that's still happening to this day as we destroy people in this country in various means and ways. There's a shooting uh, overnight in Sacramento, Florida. Six dead, nine wounded. You just go, are you kidding me? Another one? Yes. This breaks your heart. And then the issues of abortion where we're, we're killing the unborn. What's going on in Ukraine now is the, it sounds like the Russians have pulled back a little bit from Kiev and now they're finding piles of dead people. And you're like, what in the world? God says here, you know, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. Uh, beloved, this is the first mention of what's known as lex talionis in the Latin. Lex talionis, the law of retribution. Scripture speaks of this later, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. The law becomes a deterrent to crime positively as a, as, stated, as a stated precept and negatively by way of a consequence. The penalty needs to fit the crime in proportion. And here we're talking about capital punishment, the death penalty. God's law provides protection, and it is good for us. But I ask you, are you enjoying your children? Are you enjoying the, your animals, your provision? Are you under his blessing by way of the law and justice? But lastly here, and most importantly, don't miss this. We can begin again under God's promises. What promises are those? Well, first of all, he has made a covenant with those who are his. Those who belong to him are under a promise, a covenant, an agreement. Look at what it says in verse 8. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. It is for every beast of the earth. So this is for everything and everybody. I have established a covenant. And technically, by way of this word covenant, in the Hebrew, the word is berit. And berit literally means cutting. I have established a cutting with you. I've cut a deal with humanity. I will never flood the earth again. Count on it. And just as God made a covenant with Noah, God has made a new covenant with us through his son. Just a few moments, we're going to celebrate communion where Jesus himself teaches, and likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood, Jesus says. A new cutting, if you will. Hebrews 9.11, this won't be on the screen, but listen close, but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, even through the greater, more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats or and calves, but by means of his own blood, we're told, thus securing an eternal redemption. An eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Therefore, he is the mediator. That is, Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant, of a new cutting, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance 
since the death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Beloved, Noah had entered into the ark for his salvation and had received the promise of God's ongoing protection. And now if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you too have access to this salvation as you've entered now into God's ongoing protection and keeping through this new covenant, through this new cutting, through the blood of Christ. We can begin again under God's promises. He has made a covenant with those who are his. Are you under this new agreement? Secondly, he has promised eternal life to those who are his. Look what it says in verse 11. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. This is a perpetual agreement. Just as God promised Noah not to destroy the earth by water, God has promised eternal life to those who belong to him through Christ in faith. John 3.15, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Have you believed on him? 1 Timothy 1.15, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, Paul says, of whom I am the foremost, but I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost sinner, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life. Have you believed on him? Have you received his provision? Noah had accepted his provision by way of the ark, and now he's beginning again after the storm, living his life evermore on his promises. We need to do the same. But lastly here, he's given us the sign of the new covenant through the cross. Now the sign of the old covenant here with Noah was the rainbow. As we're told in verse 12, God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I've set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds of the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant. I will remember my cutting, my agreement that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I will establish between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Are you noticing the repetition here? I've established a covenant. I've established a covenant. I've established a covenant. I'm committed to this. And just as the rainbow cuts or tears through the sky, as it cuts the sky by way of Berith, God passes between these pieces, if you will, to say that may I be torn asunder as the sky if I don't keep my word. And now Christ has been torn asunder for us by way of the cross. Galatians 6.14 but far be it from me to boast except in the cross, Paul writes. I'm not going to boast in anything except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Colossians 2.13, Paul goes on to say, he made 
you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, all of it's been removed from us, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Peter adds, and he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. Hebrews 12, 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted as we begin again under the promise. Beloved, it is one thing to be reminded of God's ongoing promise through the rainbow, but even more importantly, are you living under God's new covenant through Christ? Have you placed your faith in him alone for your salvation? Years ago, we had taken a trip out to Wyoming with a group of students like we hoped to do with this uh, church here in, in July. But we were out in Wyoming, and we were at this one spot up in Yellowstone. I'll never forget, we, a, a rainstorm had come through quickly, and it passed on, and so the sun is shining, and the, the, the rain had just gone through. Of course, what are you going to be looking for? A rainbow. And, you know, I think most of us have seen a rainbow, right? You know, with all the colors of the rainbow right there. But uh, I don't know if you've ever seen one of these rainbows. This was a double moving towards a triple. Has anybody ever seen a double rainbow? It's, it's outrageous. It's craziness. Because not only do you have the rainbow, but you have another one in between. It's a huge band between it. And it's just, it's like, what in the world? Talk about the sky being split cut asunder, God's saying, I'll never flood the earth again. So how do we begin after the storm? Years ago, Kath and I went through a bit of storm. Uh, before we had our first child, our oldest, we had gone through two miscarriages. I don't know, I'm sure there are others who've been through that. And it was very difficult Especially, you know, we're a young couple and we're wanting to start a family and, and we get pregnant pretty quickly, twice in a row, and, and we lose two. And uh, so now your, your, your gut's kind of hurting, like, you know, what's the deal here, Lord? We're just trying to follow you and trust you. You know, what's going on? One of those situations before we had our firstborn is, you know, you see a commercial, the old diaper commercial, and your heart sinks, right? Or another couple pushing their bassinet down the way, and you're like, oh. And then finally, God blessed us with our oldest. A few years later, we were blessed with another. A few years went by, and we, Kathy thought, you know what, let's, let's try for a few more. And uh, went through two more miscarriages. Matter of fact, the fourth one was so bad, I thought we were going to lose Kathy on the deal. And I'll forget that fourth one because it was so bad. Um, I remember I just started ministry. I just became a pastor of a small church down in Coldwater, and and uh, we just went through that experience that week, and now I'm going to be preaching that Sunday, and I'll never forget, you know, how do you begin again after the storm? 
And I know I need the worship, but I, you know, here I am preaching the gospel through tears. But I know it was right and good for me to do so, even though it was hard. Because within that, there was comfort from God's people. There was comfort from his spirit. I'm not sure how I made it through that message that day, but he got me through it in his time and his way. And then by God's grace, uh, a year later, the Lord did bless us with our third daughter. And so Kathy's been with child seven times. We have three beautiful daughters, and we have four who yet await us in eternity. They will not return to us, but as David says, I will, we will go to them one day. And we look forward to that. We all have storms. We all need God's comfort, his encouragement. But one of the best places we can start after the storm is through worship. Where we can find healing and restoration and encouragement with God's people and with his word as the spirit, by his word, pours over our hearts and our lives to help us, to uphold us. Is that hard? Yeah. Sometimes when things aren't going very well, we want to run from people. We want to run from the church. We want to run from God. I'm telling you, this is where you need to be more than anything. This is a great place to be, to be cared for and loved on. Our recovery after the storm begins with worship. We begin again under his favor, under his blessing, under his promises. He hasn't left us forlorn. We have Christ. And in Christ, we have access to all of his favor, all of his blessing, and all that he promises. The question is, will we trust him in that? He's made a covenant with those who are his. He's promised eternal life for those who are his. And the sign of this new covenant is the cross of Christ. And as we turn to the Lord's table now in reflection of this, I was thinking about this this, this week. Paul writes in Colossians 2, and you, you, who were dead in your trespasses, God made alive. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, every one of them, by canceling the record of debt. Oh, praise God for that. I don't know what debt you've got. I've got one. Don't like it, but I've got one. But through Christ, canceled by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside. Ready? Nailing it to the cross. Oh man, praise God for that. Here at Oakwood Bible Church, we have an open communion table, and by this is meant that all those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your First, Lord and Savior, you are so welcome to participate. The two simple elements of the bread and the cup, the bread which represents the broken body of Christ as he died on the cross on our behalf, and the cup which represents his shed blood for us once and for all. If you have children with you, make sure they understand the gospel. I encourage you that they've perhaps have made a profession of faith, and if they have, then allow your children to participate be better for them to understand what they're participating in. And so 
they don't understand the gospel, I encourage you to wait until such a time as they do. The Apostle Paul, in his first letter to the Corinthians, issues this admonition to all who consider partaking in the bread and the cup. In 1 Corinthians 11, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. So let a person examine himself. Then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. In this warning, there are two components of consideration. It's possible that uh, someone might partake in an unworthy manner. Perhaps you have professed Christ as your Savior in the past, but are currently living in outright sinful rebellion against him. If this is the case, I encourage you to examine your heart before God, before partaking in something that you're holding in contempt of how you're living. Better yet, make things right with God even right now through confession, through repentance and commitment, and then we invite you to freely join us. Again, if you're not willing to make things right, even right now in this moment, if you're not willing to repent, I encourage you to let the elements pass until such time as you've made things right with God. But the other possibility is that someone here has never professed Christ. You've never invited Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. Perhaps you've never given your life to him. If this is the case, I encourage you also to let the elements pass as a witness to you. If you haven't given your life to Christ, we don't want to ask you to participate in something that you don't even believe in through hypocrisy. But even better for you this morning would be for you to turn away from the direction you've been going in your life and turn to faith in Christ for salvation right now in this moment. Receive him as your Lord and Savior. Invite him into your heart and life even right now. Don't wait another moment. And then please freely join us in this remembrance today. Let's open these communion packets at the same time. Make all that noise at the same time. Get that over with. As we prepare to partake of the bread and the cup together, please hold both elements as we will then thank the Lord for the bread and the cup separately. So during this time of preparation, I encourage you to be in prayer, examining your own heart before God, seeking his forgiveness and deliverance, renewing your commitment to him and remembering with thanksgiving his sacrifice for you on the cross as he paid your penalty for all your sins once and for all. So in this moment, let's take a, a few moments in silent prayer and reflection to consider all that he has done for us. Would you please pray aloud with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Paul has written to the church at Corinth, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I've asked Elder Ron Crowfoot to pray for the bread, which was broken for us. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, I thank you for this remembrance that you gave us, this time that we can set aside and think about your sacrifice, the sacrifice of Jesus' body on the cross, bearing our sins. Just thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for providing for us in this way our our salvation, our way to know you forever. I pray that you would be with each one here today, Lord. Just watch over them and draw near to them and help them to draw near to you. And thank you for your love for us. In Christ's name I pray. Please take and eat. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. I've asked Elder Tom Elliott to pray for the cup which was poured out for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your marvelous grace, grace that is greater than our sin. <clears throat> as Pastor mentioned, we owe such a great debt, but his blood covered it all, that precious covenant of, of his blood. And we just pray that we would appreciate all that Jesus has done for us all the more even today as we think of his sacrifice. It's, it's beyond our comprehension what he went through there, physically, emotionally, especially spiritually, because he was taking upon himself that awful guilt of our sin. So, Lord... Thank you for this opportunity to commemorate that uh, to the, the juice that represents his precious blood. And may we think about that as we partake this morning. Bless each one together as we do so. And uh, draw us closer to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please take and drink. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. My Jesus, I love Thee, I know Thou art mine, for Thee all the follies of sin I resign. My service and prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for a great time of worship as we've sung your praise and we've heard the truth of your word. But we thank you that we can now begin again under your favor, 
under your blessing, under your promises. Oh God, may that be the case for us as we spend time with you in worship. Lord, as we've just sung, may we resign the follies of sin. May we set those aside. Lord, give us a week of righteousness that we might be pleasing to you in obedience, that we might bring glory to your name. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. Thank you for so great a salvation. Thank you for the cross of Christ. We want to give you all the praise today. And all God's people said, amen. Have a great week. Thanks for coming today.